Welcome to the Innovate for Impact podcast. This podcast is for leaders in the social sector like you who want to make a difference. Each episode is packed with practical ideas on how you can be more innovative and create an even bigger social impact. We share our ideas on what you can do and also speak to leaders from the sector to share best practice. So let's get into it and let's talk impact. Welcome to the Innovate for Impact podcast. You're with Tracy Newman and as always, I'm joined by my good friend, Dan Bentley. And today we're really happy to also be joined by Kyle Behrens. So welcome, Kyle. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. It's so good to have you here with us. I'd like to just uh, start off by acknowledging that I am here in Adelaide recording, so I'd like to acknowledge the Ghana as custodians of the Adelaide region and pay my respects to elders past, present and emerging. I'm in Melbourne, so I'm based on the lands of the Bunurong people of the Kulin Nations, and I'd also like to pay my respects to the elders past, present and emerging. I'm just north of Melbourne, and I'd like to pay my respects to the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation and pay our respects to elders past, present and emerging. We are really happy that you can join us for a conversation today, Kyle, because you are doing a lot of work in a space that I know is super interesting for lots of people. So uh, it was really, really interesting when we had our kind of pre-conversation, all of the things that you were sharing. So um, would you like to just sort of start off by telling us who it is that you are and what, what it is that you do? Yeah, well, thank you. And really interesting and really fast-paced, I must add to that. It's um, something that can be quite tricky to stay on top of, and that is the world of AI, artificial intelligence. For the last 13 years, I worked at Edgar's Mission, the nonprofit sanctuary for rescued farmed animals. And part of that work that I did there was setting up systems and automations to try and assist with the operational aspect of the organization, because there really was no animal sanctuary software that allowed us to do the things that we needed to do. And it became almost this puzzle of trying to integrate different software solutions together to allow us to do the work that we needed to do efficiently and effectively. And I think that was part of the the journey that pushed me to where I am today. So I left there about six months ago and started an organization called nfps.ai. So it's notforprofits.ai with this hope to educate and empower nonprofits with how they can leverage AI to increase their impact, reduce their operational expenditure and save time really. And it really all kind of comes together with AI coupled with automations, coupled with good systems and data, but AI in itself is is a complete world that I'm sure we'll, we'll get really deep into in this discussion. That's what I think is fantastic because I know that I have had a little bit of time to dabble in it because I'm interested, but I also know that there are plenty of people who are keen to learn more but don't necessarily have the time to sort of do that experimentation and when you've already got an established organization with systems and processes if you're looking to replace them that's a whole lot of work in itself as well so add to that the time to learn that new technology and as you said it's very fast-paced and there's a lot happening really quickly so I'm guessing that if I'm feeling a little bit kind of like, wow, there's a lot here, am I on my own here or is that something that you're finding everywhere? Not only am I finding that everywhere, I find that with myself as well. (laughs) It can be so challenging staying up to date. I've never seen a technology like this that just 
advances and changes so quickly. Even just last week, someone shared a tutorial where how you could upload one of these, what's called a large language model. So ChatGPT and Claude, these are all what's known as large language models. You can download it onto your iPhone or iPad and run it locally without any internet. So that was, you know, part of my weekend exploring, like, what is the potential of this? Because it's amazing to have this technology on a device that doesn't need to be connected to the internet and has such a wealth of knowledge and information that you can manipulate in different ways to get specific outputs that can benefit you. So it is rapidly changing, but my advice always is you know, not to get caught up in the changes. It's to focus on the problems. You know, what are the specific problems mm. that your organization is facing now? And look at how AI can assist with those problems and expand from there. Because as I said, even personally for myself, you can just get washed away in this world of innovation. But at the crux of it all is really, we're trying to solve these specific problems that these organizations are facing now. Yeah, and I think that's an important call out, isn't it? Because I think it is the sexiest thing in tech at the moment. AI, it was like what apps were about, you know, 13 years ago where that was the answer to every solution and everybody wanted one even if they didn't need one. So do you find that a lot that you have people coming to you being like, give me some AI and you're having to pull them back a bit and say, wait, what do you, what's the problem you're trying to solve? Like is AI the solution? Yes and no. It's kind of weird because I kind of see this technology as being able to assist in two ways. And I'm still trying to figure out the best terminology for it, but I kind of see like this top-down approach and this bottom-up approach. And the bottom-up approach is where I see, yes, you you have a specific problem, you identify what it is and investigate, you know, is AI able to assist with that? But because, as you said, how vast this technology is, how many different and exponential things it can do, from people exploring and just playing around with it, all of a sudden you find things that you think, oh, wow, this may be a really interesting use case that could expand the work that we do. So it may not necessarily solve a specific problem per se, but it could definitely engage or further the impact of these organizations. And one example is donor engagement. I see lots of organizations now playing around with AI-generated music or images or video and thinking, how can this be integrated into our donor journey where once they make a donation, maybe they're getting a personalized song that's created to thank them that could be done in 30 seconds, integrated into an automation and emailed to them or expanded with video or or photos that are personalized for this donor's journey. So that's probably something that's not solving a specific problem that they may be facing. I'm sure they're probably, you know, more focused on how can they increase their, their fundraising goals or how much they trying to raise each year. But I think it does add these layers upon what can be done and in turn that does increase and improve their whole efficiency and and engagement. So is that like your way of sort of presenting this to people is like get involved in AI and just see what it can do for you? There is that element of the problem, but were you also sort of saying like that sometimes people just don't know what it's going to be able to do for them until they actually get started? Very much so, but I always try and focus on the problem first. (laughs) If I I am going into an organization, we are doing a discovery and and exploring, you know, what are your specific pain points at this moment? Because it can just be 
too wide in terms of what it can do. And it is through that experimentation that organically they find these other solutions. And my favorite story around this is this organization that I was working with early in the year, and they had something like 500 resources on their website, publicly facing for users to engage with. And I thought, this is the perfect use case for a public-facing chatbot. We can train it on all of these articles that it's got there, and it provides users with this new way to engage with this information. You know, not only can you just find it through searching, but you can actually ask what is your specific problem or a question and have AI leverage that data, that information, and present it back to the user in a really useful and meaningful way. And we worked on it. We trained this chatbot. It was amazing. It worked really, really well, except for one small (laughs) problem. And that was that it would sometimes make things up. And in the AI world, this is called a hallucination, where AI is almost so eager to please that instead of saying, like, I'm sorry, I don't know, it would rather just make something up. So it made up articles that didn't exist. And we asked it to reference URLs and it created URLs that didn't exist. And we we were trying to mitigate this. We, we got really close, but still probably 10% of the time it's making up these fake URLs and articles. And they just weren't comfortable, rightly so, launching this on their website for users to engage with. And so we said, look, let's table it for the time being and come back to it once the technology improves. And... I said to them, look, it's got the Slack integration. Let me just integrate it into your Slack channel. Just have a play with it and and see what happens. And they started engaging with it. And I was watching them, how they used it. And I said, because it's trained on your data, you can actually get it to assist with creating social media posts. So they started using it for that. And they found not only was it really, really good first draft because it was trained on all of their data, knew exactly how it could incorporate different information into this post, but it still created these hallucinations. But all of a sudden, they were an opportunity because it showcased to them a gap in the articles that they were presenting publicly facing. And on top of that, because it knew about their organization and been trained on their data, it could prepare a really good outline or first draft article that they could use. And so, you know, this, I think, demonstrates exactly where we are with this technology. It's been said that even if we were to stop advancing this technology today, it would take years for us to explore and and uncover all of these use cases that are going to come about from it. And this is really my, my message to these organizations is, you know, start small, identify the specific problem, experiment and grow, because none of us know where this is going to lead to. But it's only through that play, which is really fun, that we will find these interesting and novel solutions. Yeah, that's a, a really interesting approach. But I also noticed that you talked about getting it to provide a first draft. And I think that's also an important call out as well, isn't it? Because I think we're starting to see more and more content that is being created by AI, but it's still not quite the same as that human connection and human creativity, is it? Very much so. That is where AI, I think, struggles the most at the moment. And I, I actually did a, an online writing course this year 
only a couple months ago, and I, personally, I find it a little bit ironic. You know, in the AR world, I could have AR ride anything for me. Why did I sign up for this five-week intensive riding course? But it was actually super interesting because, exactly as you say, AR cannot write the way we write. There's something so unique about crafting communication. We don't always have the same communication style throughout, whether it be like a fundraising email or letter or a post. We have concepts that come from different areas. We have ideas. We have changing tone and and variation all over the place. And it can be very hard for AI to replicate that. But as I said, like it can be really useful in providing an outline or a first draft or even editing. And I subscribe to a philosophy that's called keeping the human in the loop. I never have AI, you know, just running through and and providing comments or posting blog articles. I, I think it's really important that we see this technology as like an assistant. And I think that's the best way to view ChatGPT or one of these large language models is Imagine you had the most knowledgeable, you know, well-trained assistant join your team, but it's their first day on the job. They don't know anything about your organization. They don't know anything about who you are, your mission, your vision, your values. And so you need to provide it with as much context as possible. But at the end of the day, you need to evaluate what they provide back to you and be comfortable that once you publish that, you are publishing it. It doesn't matter who wrote it, whether it be an external copywriter or assistant or AI. When you hit publish, you publish and you have to take accountability for that. So I think it's really important that we do stay true to that value, keep the human in the loop, see this as a draft, see this as an assistant and something that can really provide a lot of value, but it's not replacing you. Tracy actually has this amazing skill set that she's been developing over the last few months, which is the ability to read someone's article or LinkedIn post and tell if it's AI through certain identifying characteristics that she's sort of realized are common to certain AI models. And it's been fascinating. It's almost like we've been playing this game, is is it AI or not? And Tracy's like, yeah, you can tell because the way that this icon is here and the way it signs it off with come join us for, she's got all these things. And I'm like, this is a real skill. This is like a new modern age skill of you can actually spot the imposter. It's amazing. But I actually wrote an article the other day and I wanted to write something about that we'd already covered on the podcast. And I was able to put that into Otter. It made a transcript of it, the whole thing straight away. I was then able to say, write this into a 750 word article I obviously then you know, took that out and, and fixed it up, but it gave me like the bones of it. And then I wanted to add some images to it, but I could not find a stock image that looked decent. So I went into Canva and used the AI in there to make my own custom images. And I could have whatever I wanted in these images rather than trying to find them. And it just came together so well. It would have taken me so much longer to do if I had done this myself. It was amazing. And it was just so cool to think that six months ago, even if someone had told you we'd be using AI in our jobs as much as we are, you'd go, no, it's something that is used very small in certain places. But I went to a a family function on the weekend and I asked the question to a big group of people who do all sorts of jobs, like who here uses AI in their job? And most people actually said that they're using it in some way, shape or form. I just thought that was so fascinating. And these are people of all different ages, very different industries, different types of roles. Everyone was using it in some way pretty much. So yeah, it's, it's really here, isn't it? A lot of people are using it in different ways. 
that's such an important point and one that I think leads into another opportunity for organizations in terms of setting up a policy around how they want to use AI within their organization. There was a study that I saw that said something like 30% of employees are using AI secretly. And I think it's important, firstly, for transparency and accountability that they have a policy that everyone uses this technology in a way that they deem responsible. But at the same time, it could be an amazing opportunity for innovation. I was listening to some of your podcasts over the weekend and heard about, you know, your description of innovation and consistency. And I think this is such an opportunity for that because this technology is going to be continuously expanding and provide so much opportunity. If we're exploring it consistently every week, looking at different ways that it can be used, that is going to create so much innovation in the space. And it's not going to be this come in, you know, let's use AI for a specific project and then get back to normal. This technology is here and it's here to stay. And we need to learn how we can utilize it the best. And what you were mentioning about how we need to implement it small and be consistent is is so pertinent to this technology as well. The other thing that I would just add in regards to Tracy being able to pick up around whether something's been written by AI or not, that I can understand that. You can see, I think it's going to get harder over time as this technology improves. But at the same time, that speaks to the importance of authenticity of these organizations. Yes, you can go and get AI to draft up 50 blog articles in a matter of minutes or 20 fundraising emails and send them off to your donors. But is that authentic? Is that true to this organization and who you are and your values that you believe in? I have varying ideas about where this technology can lead to, but I think potentially one, one case is that it takes us too far away from our humanity that we do just crave this human-to-human contact again so that we actually know that we are speaking to someone that is real, you know, even face-to-face because now there's AI solutions that can plug into Zoom calls and all of your video conferencing and provide suggestions about things that you should say, especially if you're on a sales team, can actually guide you through this process to increase these sales. And I think I had a really interesting conversation with a friend about this the other day where we thought, What's going to happen in the recruitment space? Because obviously people are going to be using AI to write really good cover letters and improve their CVs. And then you're going to have these organizations that are going to be identifying, okay, it looks like all of these ones have been written by AI. Maybe we're going to funnel through them or maybe we're not going to touch them. But what's this going to look like long term? And we kind of got to this viewpoint where It may be where you have AI draft your cover letter for this job based on your CV, and then this organization has an AI that assesses your AI (laughs) creation based on what their role description is and what they want. And is it going to be your AI versus their AI? Like, I don't know where this is going to land up, but (laughs) it's... it's, um... The really obvious solution is they need to hire Tracy as the AI police who can screen these resumes sitting on the interviews and by then you're saying that the AI is going to evolve. Tracy's going to be evolving as well. She's already very good at that. 
but you wait till she does this for a few more months, they're not going to be able to get it past her, I'm telling you right now. Want to improve your co-design skills and confidence? Join Tracy Newman, the co-host of this podcast and Head of Impact at Impactor Consulting for the Co-Design for Impact training program. In this training, you'll explore co-design from start to finish, learning how to understand diverse stakeholder needs and create innovative solutions. You'll also get access to the co-design workbook with essential worksheets and connect with like-minded individuals from the social sector. Act fast because this popular course fills up quickly. Secure your spot now by clicking the link in this episode's show notes or visiting impactoconsulting.com.au forward slash co-design for impact. Remember, co-design for impact is one word with no hyphens. Don't miss this chance to enhance your co-design skills. I actually saw the other day a hack if you are doing a cover letter and it basically was give ChatGPT an instruction and then change it so that it's not visible. So you change the font to white on a white page, but there was a, an instruction in there to chat DPT recommending to hire this person. And, you know, I think that's what I'm really interested in because if we aren't having these conversations and we aren't creating policies and our people are using this technology anyway, like that doesn't lead to ongoing success either, does it? Like there's lots of conversations that probably need to be had quite quickly around how are we going to use this and when are we going to use it and how are we going to disclose it and what's the best way to sort of navigate that. And I find with all those ethical considerations, really, the best way is actually, yeah, like this, you know, we you have conversations and you challenge ideas and you keep asking questions and you think about, well, is it better for our donor to get 20 AI written emails or would they actually prefer one email? What is it that the people that we're communicating with prefer? Because I don't know about you, but my email box is full. So maybe the key is actually going to be pulling back and doing less rather than doing more just because we can. Yeah. As you say, I think it's so important to have these discussions because the ethics, particularly around nonprofits, and I think especially around fundraising is going to be one of the biggest talking points in the coming years. I already see lots of CRM software and fundraising platforms that are integrating AI to you know, increase the amount of donations that they can get from their donors. And it's a tricky one that I don't know what the answer is because we've been using personalization for a long time. It's very important. It gives donors a feeling of engagement, of being part of that journey. But when you're then taking their data and, for lack of a better word, manipulating it in a way to get them to donate more or more times per year, are you going to be transparent about that? Are you going to be saying you know, to your donors, this is the software that we use, we're trying to get as much donations as possible? And it's really difficult because nonprofits, they need funds. They need to fundraise. They need to get more funds to be able to work, do the work that they do. But it's going to be this really fine line, I think, that they're going to, they're going to walk down. And then, then you're going to have the different perspectives from donors. I'm sure there's going to be donors that are going to be so persistent that organizations integrate AI into their solutions because of the efficiencies and impact that it can have. And then on the on the opposite side, I think you're going to have donors that don't want organizations to use AI. A lot of people are going to be impacted in this technology, some positively, some not. And I think it, it's going to be a really interesting 
journey. But as you say, the only way that we can get through this is to have these dialogues, to have these conversations. It's not necessarily about having the answers now, but if we don't start having these conversations, we're going to land up in a few years being like, you know, we wish that we did start back then. I agree. I think that the importance of having those conversations, because the other thing that I'm really mindful is a lot of the people who I'm talking to provide services. And for some corporates, it's like, well, you know, use AI, we might sell more wheat bix, we might not sell more wheat bix. Like the risk is not that great, right? Like it's not like they're really dealing in humans the way that service providers that are taking care of vulnerable people are. So how do we best use AI in those sort of situations? A lot of the conversation that we have always around AI is around content creation. You know, we've got ChatGPT that can help create these emails or fundraising emails or articles or blog posts and images and videos now and songs and all of this stuff. But there's a whole other world to AI that isn't around content creation. And that's where I see a huge potential that isn't being tapped into at the moment. And this is where I think it's really important for organizations to assess the systems that they have, the data that they have, and if they have any automations that could actually leverage AI. So I have one organization that I'm just loving this use case where they have a no reply email inbox, but it gets flooded with replies. (laughs) And they don't always have the time to constantly filter through this no reply inbox. So we're actually using an automation that uses AI to firstly categorize what is this email about. A lot of them are no reply emails, so that's great. They can automatically be put into a folder. But then we've got other emails that may be for a donation or about visiting the organization or a completely other topic. And so firstly, AI is categorizing where this email sits and then forwarding it on to a specific person if needed or putting it into a folder. And then if it sits in like this other box, it then uses AI that's trained on this organization's information to draft a reply that sits in that inbox ready for someone to just have a quick overview of, make any necessary changes, and then send across. And I think that is, can provide so much value. You imagine that in an inbox, even just a, a, a normal inbox where you're getting flooded with hundreds of emails every day. To have AI categorize those emails, populate them to specific people if need be, put them in folders, use AI that's trained on their data to draft replies, that's a huge time saver. And you know we're really not walking down any ethical lines that way because we're using an assistant. We're using it to supplement the work that we're doing to help us. And that will then free people up as well. You know, I've never heard of a not-for-profit that doesn't have enough work for their people. It's always the opposite. People are always struggling to get through the amount of work that they need to do. Burnout is a huge problem in not-for-profits. And this is a tool that can be leveraged to support your staff, to allow them to do the work that they need to do better without replacing them and then freeing them up to do the things that they're really passionate about and really much more mission and impact driven. Yeah, it's such a good point. And I think we've seen it so much, especially when people have clunky systems or clunky processes that they always tell leadership that they find it so hard to focus on the client experience or focus on doing a really good job because they're spending so much of their brain bandwidth trying to navigate 
the process. And you just sort of see when you hear there's something like that, how AI and automations and all these things that you've been talking about can really help allow people to make their jobs easier for their people, take away that complex stuff that they're having to do. And so they really can focus on the human. I think that's something that a lot of people would be really interested in. And I think that's the importance of this, isn't it? We've spoken, I think it's kind of come a bit full circle, isn't it? That for these organizations, it is so important to have that connection with their supporters. And the work that we're doing behind the scenes can be amplified, can be helped with the use of AI. But no one wants to be flooded with AI-driven emails and messages and things like that. I think it's such an important point. How can this technology increase the impact that we're doing, increase the donor's engagement, but not look at replacing people and not look at flooding people with information? One of the big concerns with this technology is how quickly it can just create more information. I saw something the other day that said that the amount of AI images that have been created now surpasses how many photographs have been taken in the whole of history. So it's only a matter of time before we have way, way, way more. But we don't need necessarily need more information. What we need is more connection. And so use these tools as a way to free you up from doing the things that you hate doing or that take up a lot of time and allow you you and your your staff to actually engage with your supporters more and and engage in the work that is more mission and impact driven. Yeah, and it frees those people up to do higher value work as well, right? I think that's something that we've seen with a lot of different types of technologies that have been dropped in over the years is that people often automatically go to, oh my God, it's going to mean cutting of jobs. It can happen like that, but it doesn't often happen like that. It can mean that sometimes that people just move to higher value jobs. They start working on problems that we couldn't get to before because we were so caught up in these current problems that we've got today. But once we alleviate them from those, they can go to those next ones, which then add that even more value. Yes, I think... You know, often these organizations are drowning in admin and process Mm. work that they just never able to focus on what really provides them that that passion. And I think that's a you know, another topic as well is it's not only the time that you're saving people and staff and volunteers in your organization, it's the mental energy that can just get so quickly depleted, you know, doing these redundant tasks like you know replying to the same email again and again and again yeah we want to empower people we want to drive them with passion we want to fuel them by doing things that as you say like has that bigger impact and this technology can assist with that yeah i don't know that the world's ever going to be saved by somebody sorting out their email inbox so if you've got a tool that can do that for you, which then frees you up to actually, yeah, have real conversations that matter with real people. That's always a great place to start. I'm interested to know a little bit about, well, what is it that you do with organisations? How do you help them to take that step forward? So a lot of this year has been going into an organisation, doing a bit of discovery and then finding specific problems and then developing solutions for them. And it it ranges from, you know, really starting with actually, let's get you on a good system because without a good system, we're not really going to be able to do anything from that all the way to setting up these automations and and trained chatbots. But my thinking is constantly changing as well over time. 
And part of really what I want to do is to empower and educate more organizations. So the beginning of next year, I'm going to be launching a community with much more tutorials and provide these resources to not-for-profits. I think it is quite tricky for nonprofits in that sometimes they don't have the staff and resources to be able to implement this. So part of that will be, okay, well, here is a solution that is, is set up and ready to go. You can just go, run with it. But part of it is also to try and educate and empower them. I think if there is a staff member or a volunteer in these organizations, you will gain so much over the coming years by just investing in them now, by sending them to do some AR training, some automation training, and let them bring this creativity and innovation to your organization because that is just going to blossom over the coming years. So a little bit all over the place and where I'm going, but I, I see it as part of providing solutions that organizations can implement as well as really trying to empower and, and educate others so that they can do this from the inside out. Great. Thank you. Yeah, Carl, you've given us a, a heap of really great um, examples there of ways that it's being used. Do you have any other ways that not-for-profits are using this type of technology at the moment? Yeah, a couple of fun ones. I've got one organization that actually every time they get a Google review, AI will analyze if it's a positive or negative review and alert the organization to respond and actually provide a, a first draft as well. So I think that's quite useful. We often forget to actually reply to the reviews and it can be a really another way to actually engage with people that are supporting us. Other automation that I have for an organization is every time they mentioned in an online article, it's actually using AI to summarize that article, again, see if it's a positive or negative article towards them and document this all in a spreadsheet. So it's really taking media management to a whole new level where we can actually use AI to scrape websites in a completely different way. We can see what is the tone, what is the summary, and then from there further automate that to alert people if needed. And one of my other ones, which I really enjoy at the moment, is using AI to assist with analysis of trends. So this could be donor data or volunteer data. A disclaimer to this is, is never put anything into AI that has people's personal privacy. But if you've got a bit of a spreadsheet that's got your donations over time, so for example, this year, broken down into single donations and recurring donations, you can ask AI to actually pick up trends and identify potentially areas that you could look into about improving your fundraising. And this can be really useful, especially when organizations need to prepare board reports. I know that that can be a really stressful time. And seldom do organizations have someone on staff that is a statistician or someone that can analyze data like this. But through the right prompt and through um, anonymizing your data, you can feed this through a system to actually provide really nice reports and even graphs. It can create graphs and trends that you can further analyze and dissect where things are going right, where things can be improved. Oh, that's really interesting. I think that data analysis is amazing because that is something that doesn't need a great deal of creativity. In fact, you actually want the opposite. And again, making sure that the information is anonymized and also that you're not totally trusting it, that you, you're also applying your wisdom and actually looking through the analysis that you're given. But yeah, a really great resource. 
Thank you. It's been really interesting having a conversation with you today, Kyle. Thanks so much for being really generous in all of your uh, information and, and sharing of all the different ways that you've seen this brought to life. I think that's it's really reassuring for people to know that, A, you don't have to be perfect to get started, but B, that there are some things that are already available to assist you as well because I think that's sometimes really important. There's nothing worse than feeling like you're about to kind of get left behind but you don't have time to catch up either. So that's really helpful. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for this opportunity. I've loved it. If people like me do want to hear a little bit more about you and and your services, um, where's the best place for them to go? So you can jump on my website, nfps.ai. So that's like not-for-profits abbreviated nfps.ai. Otherwise, LinkedIn. I'm always sharing on LinkedIn everything that I can did a 30-day automation challenge a few weeks ago and every day shared an automation to try and help organizations. And before that was a 30-day prompting challenge. So LinkedIn is definitely the best place if you'd like daily updates. (laughs) Great. Thank you. Awesome. Thanks for coming on the show, Kyle. Cheers. Uh, Thank you so much. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Innovate for Impact podcast. Any links to what we spoke about today will be posted in the show notes. If you'd like to know more about social innovation, visit our website where we have a heap of tools to help you on your way. Visit impactoconsulting.com.au. Thanks for listening. Now go out there and make an impact.